Welcome to the Liberty Mindset. Come and explore some of the ideas and issues facing our liberty. 2022 is an election year. As libertarians, we ask that you consider voting in the Liberty Mindset. Welcome, and thank you for your time. Welcome to the Liberty Mindset. My name's Gregor, and I'm with Jimmy. And Jimmy, could you introduce yourself? Oh, yes, I'm Jimmy. I'm, I don't know, a millennial by definition. I feel like there's a lot of people in my age group that are libertarians, and it would be really nice to reach out to them and understand what they're doing. And just like my partner here, Gregor, he's, we're in Washington County, Oregon, and yeah, hi. <laughs> well, welcome, and thank you for joining me. Jimmy and I decided, whoops, um, I'm Gregor, and I'm a, um, the tail end of the boomer generation. Um, I'm a, what most people consider to be mostly a pretty conservative, straight Christian white male, which automatically means I'm, you know, lose a lot of points I know. Um, but I really thought it was important to, as a libertarian, to try to start the concept of the libertarian mindset. And again, we're not looking to um, tell people how to think. The whole idea is, is to sort of share what a liberty mindset really is. And it's really important for me personally that we try to get people thinking because so much of what we do is not thinking. Everyone's just so busy reacting. So welcome to the Liberty Mindset. Um, we're going to try to look at this, a lot of things locally in, the, uh, in this podcast, but today we're going to look on something national and just because it's super important. This episode is going to be focused on the First Amendment. And the First Amendment is, Congress shall make no law respecting to establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So what do you think about that, Jimmy? Well, one thing when I think about the First Amendment is most of the focus always lands on one of those five freedoms. A lot of times people will focus on speech or religion, and I don't think that we think about the fact that the First Amendment encompasses all of it, and it encompasses all of it for a reason. These are five grounds in which the people who brought this together, the framers, decided were they were being impinged upon in the British regime. And to this day, we still need all of these to keep the backbone of our country strong. So true. I mean, history tells us so many things um, about why this is important. Uh, you know, they're, they're, the first thing that's listed there, um, Congress shall, shall make no law to establishment of religion. Uh, they don't realize that several things. First off, the people that first came to the Boston area, they were religious um, refugees, you know, and exactly. they ended up leaving Great Britain, going to Holland, and then going from Holland to here, looking specifically for a freedom of religion. People have heard of Guy Fawkes, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, remember, remember the 5th of November is something that people talk about mantras, and from the movie Vias for Victor, Vias for Vendetta, um, you know, the Guy Fawkes masks is very mm -hmm. famous. But his whole thing was the fact that he could not be Protestant. He had to be Catholic according to the laws of the kingdom. 
And that later turned turned to Anglican, and that's what our founding fathers ran away from was from a state-run church, and that's part mm-hmm. of the reason they established it so hard to say that the federal government um, wouldn't be an establishment of religion. Right. And uh, as much as I didn't agree with uh, President Obama, there's one thing he had right when he talked about the Bill of Rights. He talked about them about negative liberties. Mm-hmm. But they're not negative individual liberties. They're never negative government liberties. And the whole idea is that it restrains what the government can do. Yeah. And so many of us sit there and allowed have allowed the government, especially these last two years. I mean, you know, we can talk about what what the government's rights and responsibilities were in the midst of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they encroached on that way too much. Well, and, and you know, that's my feeling too. They were telling they were trying to tell churches how to worship and they were trying to tell people, you know, what they could and couldn't do in their own belief systems. And I, you know, I'm a big fan that that's not their choice. Even, even in their own homes. I mean, right. they're telling you, you couldn't even meet with family and you couldn't meet in groups of more than, you know, 10 in some places, which is exactly one of the things that really started the whole movement of, of how, how many people can get together for a group, even oh, yeah, back and, in there the 1700s. Look at that. Uh, yeah. you know, and abridge the, um, the right of people to peaceably assemble. Yeah. And the funny thing is with all of that, you know, here we are, the First Amendment, Congress shall make no rules. Mm-hmm. And the scary part is, is Congress never made any of those rules. Right. We're just dictated by somebody. Right. Somebody and, who thought they had the power. Yeah. And we said, okay, you have the power and went ahead yeah. and did it. Now, you know, I'm not here to debate masks or, a, you know, or the mm-hmm. concept of, of anything like that. We, no. can, you know, that's, a, that's, you, we can have debates on the science if you want at some point. But um, the real thing is, is that, you know, enacting or giving up those freedoms, what we did as people. Um, you know, it really has emboldened them, and we're going to see more of it. Yeah. We have an election this year, and guess what? I'm fully expecting for someone to come out and say we can't do this, that, or the other thing because of insert crisis here. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a free speech? Free speech. Everybody feels like they have a different view of this. I feel like a lot of people think free speech is it's okay for me to say whatever I want to say, but not what other people are saying. And really, in the contrast of all, free speech is the ability to project a thought, an idea, even an emblem or music or art or anything of that nature, and just put it out to the free market. If people don't like it, you'll find out pretty quick. And if people think that's a great idea or wonderful piece of art or a really cool thing they're going to be emboldened and want to continue to do that as well or you know empower that person to continue their work um and it's shifted a lot from what it originally was meant to be uh over the last 200 and some odd years now but it still means that not only am I allowed to say what I say even if it sounds silly or ridiculous or cool but so are you everybody has that equality and should have that equality and stifling that just doesn't help anything absolutely and you know as a i'm not catholic i'm I'm, uh, my christianity is is uh not rooted in any specific um organization Mm -hmm. i uh, my the people i attend services with were very much an independent 
enclave um, where yeah. Uh, you know, we do our own thing based on what we feel the Bible says. Right. But I know several years ago, I think, I can't remember, might have been, I want to say it was during the uh, Clinton administration, an artist came out with a entire collection of art. And the art, one of the pieces that was center and made a big thing was called Piss Christ. And it was a uh, pub glass full of urine with a crucifix turned up down and put in it and that was what he called art and I know there was a lot of people that um, thought that that was you know should have been stopped it yeah. should have been this that, and the other thing and as much as I hated it you know freedom of speech dictates that we have to protect that kind of speech um, you know and, it, yeah. and it was pointless what his art was in my opinion mm -hmm. but he also had the right to do it. And you're entitled to your opinion of not liking it and not wanting to spend time looking at it and not wanting to even, you know, be in a place where it would exist. And that's your right, mm -hmm. you know, just like, yeah. And now, and now we're getting to a point where folks are not allowed to say what they want because corporations will do things. And, you know, this right. culture thing that we got going on because of what people say. Yeah. Um, you lose your job. You can uh, be kicked out of places, banned from places. And as a libertarian, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that the corporations can say, you know what, you don't represent us. Right. But on the other side of the coin, if a person is doing it on their own time and their own personal way, if I was a corporate guy, you know, if it was my company, as long as you're not forcing us as a company to do things. You're not wearing the garb of our company saying you represent our views. Exactly. Then yeah. it's like, you know, I, I can't say anything and I wouldn't. <laughs> Um, no matter how much I disagreed with it. It's interesting because even like when you look at things like as a somebody who works for the government, for the states, like they can't do anything like what we're doing here with the podcast because if they side with it, um, a particular party, that goes against the rules for them even. Yeah. So different, different rules, different corporations and different jobs have these just odd, almost arbitrary things that really don't necessarily need to reflect them to begin with. And still the individual can have their views. Yeah, and I have a friend who works for the state government of California, and he's pretty conservative. And I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to, you know, get him in trouble or anything. But right, right. I know he can't, he doesn't feel like he can say a lot of things because if he does, he'll lose his job. And he's right. like four years from retirement. Oh, yeah, that's um, not the time to be laughed. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not, the, it's not the time to be blacklisted. So, you know, I don't blame him for not wanting to say much. Um, but it's still, it's, that's so, that makes people feel so little and so small when they have all, they probably have wonderful ideas and they can never get them out to the people that could help them make them into grander, beautiful things. Cool. And it, it's, it's, it's sad that that's become okay. People yeah. just decide, I'm just going to be quiet. It's one thing to pick your battles, but something totally different just to be completely stifled. I like that. Pick your battles. That's a good choice. Um, one of the other things, you know, I, I, and freedom of speech is, uh, this is a touchy subject. We didn't talk about this ahead of time on purpose. <laughs> so I hope that's okay. surprising you too much. But um, one of the things I see here is, you know, especially here in Oregon, we have a very strong um, multi-faceted gender community. Mm -hmm. Um and I, you know, as a Christian, do I agree with the lifestyle? No. 
but do I have a right to condemn them or tell them what they can and can't do? No, that's right. where my freedom of speech has to exercise. Mm-hmm. My question is, what does a person of your generation think of somebody who may or may not look like, I mean, if somebody specifically tells me I have to call them something they are not, and let's just leave it generic because mm-hmm. it's not important which way it yeah. goes. Sure. Um, but where does their freedom of speech and my freedom of speech end in that regard? Do I have to call them by law what they ask me to? I mean, there's legally, we don't have a whole lot of grounds on that. I mean, at this point, that's still an ever-changing, growing part of our world right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, out of respect for the individual, a lot of that will depend on who is this person to you? Mm-hmm. Why do you interact with them on a daily basis? Is this a one-time occurrence? You know, there's a lot of layers there. I have a friend who lives out in Missouri, and she's uh, absolutely fabulous. I love her to death. But she very much so stands on a very conservative Christian side of, I. she can't really come to terms with it. And her and I've had long debates <laughs> about it, where if she's looking at someone who clearly to, to her physically looks like let's say female but they want to be called male she has a hard time grasping that and remembering to do it she doesn't feel like she's required to either so it blurs a line i mean at at what point do we do it out of respect and at what point do we do it because we have to right well and there's a difference between those two i agree mm-hmm. um you know growing up in southern california um you know here's a secret i'm a recovering Californian. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I was surrounded by, uh, you know, people of all sexual orientations. And, um, you know, as a general rule, if somebody is striving to be a certain way, I've been torn on whether it's a lie to continue with that conversation in their whatever choice. Right. But part of me has chosen to to my best of my ability, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and insult somebody and tell them, mm-hmm. you know, you're not. Right. Um, and if I accidentally say he or she or stuff or said, you know, and don't get me started on things like yeah. J and Z. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, if it's not in the normal vernacular of the language, then yeah, there's gonna, reason I mean, I'm gonna, to be I'm confused. Gonna to use it. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, sorry. Now, right. you know, yeah. I don't understand. It's not a matter of hate. It's just a matter of you can't learn new tricks. And those people need to un- have some understanding and some compassion for the fact that they're making a request that's outside of a good chunk of people's normal. So it's going to slip. I have a friend here in Portland, and every now and again, I call them the wrong um, one. They are non-binary. So I, I'll say she or he instead of they, you know, and they're very androgynous. Go either direction. You, If you saw them on the street you probably wouldn't know which one to pick so um and it's not an insult but they understand that they're asking something of the rest of the world that isn't normal yet well so there's an and that is an interesting an interesting concept because to me that shows a some maturity on your friend's part Mm -hmm. but also you know we already talked that offensive or hate even hate speech i suppose is has to be protected right that, right you know, um, because if we can't if we can't say the bad things we can't say the good things someone's going to say well, yeah. that good things are bad 
Uh, it goes along the lines of if you don't have any good, then you're all you're only gonna see bad. If you only see bad, you're never gonna see the good. So you need to have a balance of both to understand and have drive and respect for them. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to call, when somebody has a really bad idea, you have to be able to go, hey, you have a really bad idea. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't um, know if that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but where I was going with this is that do I have a responsibility? to as a libertarian do you have a responsibility yeah, to as a libertarian to as, as a responsibility as a, do i have a uh, do i have a responsibility to um worry about your feelings i mean is mm. i'm not saying that i wouldn't as a human being right but, um yeah one of the one of hmm. uh, something that i always noticed is offense and in my in and this is my personal phrase i may have heard it somewhere and if i don't know who to attribute it to then i'm sorry but (laughs) offense can only be taken it cannot be given yes i love that quote you know an offense is a is a choice it's Mm -hmm. it's actually literally on the person's part who is offended it's a battle they chose to pick well and in that case their reaction to it they chose that reaction they chose to be offended and it goes back to your whole talking earlier about how people are just reacting they're not thinking Mm -hmm. so if they're not they're not thinking about the fact that that was a hard hard thing that that maybe we fumbled when we were talking to them and they reacted to the fact that we just had a space cadet moment and didn't give us the grace to understand that we're that we're trying Mm -hmm. i think you know we have uh, some part of me feels like we have an obligation to try yeah but it, we're not perfect. We're not infallible. True. That's true. Well, anything else you want to bring up? Mm. Well, I mean, we with freedom of speech, freedom of religion, we've got there, we've got freedom of assembly and the freedom of the press. Freedom of the press. Did you hear the news yeah. this week that, uh, what was it? News agency, I want to say... USA Today found had to fire one of their reporters because they reported 23 articles that had no foundation in reality. What? Yeah, they they quietly fired them and took down 23 articles that they found. Oh my goodness. So they made it through the entire editing process. So that went through like at least a half dozen hands and sets of eyeballs. Right. And they also that just was like, okay, sure. And they turned out, including one of the things was a famous article apparently on the people of, of Ukraine who were, you know, fighting, uh, you know, just normal people who were fighting. And it turns out all of that was made up. I'm not saying that folks in Ukraine are not fighting. I'm just right. This article was, they found out there was absolutely no information. It was a fantasy of the writers. Wow. Uh, does the press have a responsibility to be truthful? That's a really good question. I mean, there's so there's a societal expectation in a way that if the press is going to post something, if it's not going to be, you know, truthful or found in fact that they're supposed to say something about it. Right. But is that actually written into any documentation of these agencies anywhere that what they're sending out is truthful? Because you have like the Onion mm-hmm. and stuff who post stuff and well, the yeah, Onion did trick Babylon, quite a few people. They're satire. <laughs> yeah, Babylon. Yeah, they're satire and they're, and they're great and they have the fun places to be. But there are people out there who would look at one of those articles and think it was real. 
Mm-hmm. But how much of that onus goes on the article writer versus the person who's supposed to be fact-checking what they're reading? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think there's a difference. And the Babylon Bee is very clear that they're doing satire. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Is as well. But, you know, USA Today mm-hmm. is supposed, and CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and, you know, take your insert news organization here. Those we should have an expectation that they should be honest. And yet there, there was this Edgar Allen. So there there is Edgar Allen Poe submitted a story that was supposed to be like a satire joke. Um and it, I think it was about an airplane going across the Atlantic. And um he had submitted it to a local paper and it was supposed to be this just tongue-in-cheek type thing and people believed it. Every people were like lined up around the block to get this newspaper article, and he's outside of the, his local printing press telling people not to do it. It's not real. Don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And nobody would believe him. So I mean, this whole like fact checking thing, this has been going on for centuries. We've just made a huge sink of it over the last ten years. <laughs> but I mean, like he's running around and he wrote it. He wrote it in a pen name, but he wrote it. He's yeah. saying, "I, guys, I didn't mean it." <laughs> But it just, I mean, it's been going on for a long time. And when people would submit to presses and to newspapers, there wasn't really necessarily a code of conduct of what you're sending in. Because if Edgar Allan Poe can send in a pen named story that's supposed to be just a joke and then convince multiple places that you can fly across the Atlantic now way before you could. Right. (laughs) I mean... It, it's a question then goes back to the actual publication of what they're doing and what their goal is. Cause like you said, the onion and Babylon B, they have clearly defined themselves as a satire news source. <laughs> and if you want to find out like what it is they're poking fun at, you can go look that up. But, um, but yeah, at that, at what point does the actual source, the media and the news source need to actually say, Hey, by the way, this is just opinion or Hey, by the way, this is done in fact. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of, you know, right wing, left wing, libertarian, um, you know, middle of the ground places too that are, aren't necessarily going to show you the other side of the coin. Yeah. And then we start getting into the filter bubbles that people Oh, the filter so, bubbles. That's a whole conversation, but I don't think we have time for that. No, but it, it is something that people are encountering with the, with the media and the freedom of speech and freedom of press is they'll only get certain things about it and that fits to their needs. Yeah. And we'll have to do a different article or a different episode on filter bubbles, maybe. But yeah. well, <laughs> it's definitely in, interesting. In, in summation, there, I would encourage you, whatever and whenever you read something, you know, the old phrase check but verify. You know, believe yes. but trust but verify is is not actually a bad thing to do. Is if you say, okay, well, that's one news source that case then mm-hmm. to make sure that you know you're checking from different sources because half the time mm-hmm. I go and look up an article that says something a little bit fantastic. Right. All of them are referring to this other article over here. And this mm-hmm. article, it's not like data. So or just a clip of what somebody said, completely mm-hmm. taken out of context. That's a pretty common one too. And it's not that what the person who wrote it or what the newspaper is saying is wrong. It's just that if you take anything out of context, you can turn it into whatever you want. Yeah. Um, one thing I had read about when I was doing some research on the First Amendment, I thought was interesting is that the First Amendment is neither right or left. It's meant to be, you know, you straight down the middle. So it's not supposed to lean one way or the other. It's just it gets played on towards the right and the left so much and tugged on mm-hmm. on this 
people think of it as such a linear thing, but so many things aren't in life aren't linear anymore. <laughs> as you get older and as we understand more, we realize that things are much grander. Yeah. Very true. Very true. And the Libertarian Party being a bigger growing aspect of that is proving because we don't fit on a, a line between the two parties. No, we're kind of this blob in the middle somewhere. Yeah, we're off kind of over. Yeah. yeah. Over here somewhere. Over here, over there. Like, oh, here's right in the left on the stage, and we're in the amphitheater. <laughs> I mean, I, I spent you know several years as a registered Republican in California. When I came to Oregon, I switched up to the Libertarian Party, mm -hmm. and you know I did that because it's like I'm tired of what the Republicans are doing. Right. Now, I'll admit that the Libertarian Party for me has its own personal challenges. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, you know, still a believer that we have to have some sort of structure in order for society to exist. I believe that too. Um, well, but some libertarians don't, and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, and I get some think it all needs to go burning down, and good, good for them if they want to figure out how to make that work. Yeah, well, I, and Michael Malice, um, he, he's an infamous libertarian. Um, he has a podcast called uh, "Welcome, You're Welcome," and. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, um, you know, he's he, he's pretty interesting, but he claims to be an anarchist, you know, and, mm. and his view on anarchy is is absolutely beautiful, to be honest. Um, it's almost too beautiful. Hmm? Is it almost too beautiful? Oh, it is. That's uh, to me, for me, idealistic. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, he wrote a book called The Anarchist Cookbook. And, oh, yeah. Uh, OK, yeah. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was basically a collection of essays from anarchists. Mm -hmm. And when I read essays for anarchists, there's so many things that I thought, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, there's so many other things, though, that and, and the thing with the thing from my point of view is. I think humans are cap are capable of amazing things, but they're also mm -hmm. capable of horrible things and stupid things and stupid <laughs> things and and the, there's the equal sides on all those. <laughs> right. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that we will always be imperfect. Yes. Um. You know, we're never going to get it right completely, and to me, that's one of the joys, um, of the U.S. Constitution is because mm -hmm. it. You know, people don't often realize that. Our U.S. Constitution is actually our second try. Right. Um, you know, we had the American Revolution, and then we mm -hmm. had a second revolution that was shotless. Right. Um, a lot of people and, don't they don't remember that from high school or right. middle school, and and you know, unless you were a history buff, Federation, which mm -hmm. were a little bit too loose for anything right. done, and, and things were falling apart. So they came up with the 1791 Constitution, which is essentially what we have now with amendments. Yeah. The and, um, go on. Sorry. Um, but, you know, it's, and to me, that's part of the joy of, of this country is that mm -hmm. we're supposed to be um, bound by ideas versus an individual. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's what we got away from. That was, there's another book called The 5,000 Year Leap, who and now I forgot who wrote it. But if you look up 5,000 Year Leap, you'll easily find it. And it talks about how amazing we went from monarchy to a republic. Mm -hmm. And how big of a huge leap that was, because when you look at history, how many things hadn't really changed, you know, over thousands of years and everything for the most part, with few exceptions, even the quote, the Roman Republic wasn't that much of a republic or it didn't last very long as a republic. It was mm -hmm. more of a dictatorial, you know, it was they had Caesar and then with the, the Republic advisors, but 
I mean, we're and we're an exception in the fact that we have a document that guides everything out mm-hmm. and sets it out where your your rights are protected from the government versus and from the get go. And from the get go, yeah, you don't have to wait to a certain age to get any of these rights. The moment you are born on American soil, you have these rights. And you know that's really cool, and that's to me the yeah. beauty of this country. I've I've done a little mm-hmm. bit of traveling, which I'm sure over the course of this podcast we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've been on three of the seven continents and uh, to about 12 different countries and plus the 48 states in the United States. And I can't tell you, I can tell you pretty honestly, there's nothing better. Yeah. Um, at least when my experience now. Um, the rate of people wanting to come here proves that it's still, it's still want, people want to be here for reasons. Um, and a lot of them go back to what we're allowed but we're, what we're given as rights as opposed to what they're being oppressed for mm-hmm. in their own um, home state or home country. Yeah. Well, and Trudeau in, in Canada recently you know, talked about, and we'll be talking about the Second Amendment next week or in two mm-hmm. weeks. That is our goal, and which is going to sure be another quiet and uncontested conversation. <laughs> um, but, you know, Trudeau just talked about how in Canada you don't have a right for self-defense. Which is weird because I was pretty certain that you had the right as long as you backed up and it had to be a rifle like you had to back up to the wall well and, and it might be a province thing well it could be a province thing but also their their rights and, and responsibilities are based off of the magna carta just like us right. and the magna carta required people to have arms for self-defense it was right. part of the deal under king john when they when they started the, the magna carta I wouldn't want to live in Canada or any place that's super rural with things that can come charging at my house and take down a wall like a moose without something to stop the moose. I mean, even just that alone. Dangerous. (laughs) They are very dangerous. People don't realize that animals, just because of their size, are dangerous. They are moose. Terribly evil. No, they just no eaters. But they get they get scared and they they go forward and they don't stop just like elephants. So and and the most dangerous animal in in Africa is the hippo. It, well, yeah. The number of deaths by lion, thousands of percent. I mean, it's huge yeah. because the hippos accidentally run people over. It's not yeah. that they attack them. <laughs> no, they, <laughs> they, they, they're they not like but... going out of their way to eat them or anything. They just right. get people get caught in the crossfire mm-hmm. and you can't get away from them. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, when you look at the way you're saying that you came from Southern California and Republican and I grew up in Washington and I grew up with a very democratic family and I voted democratic um, for quite a bit, even though I didn't always agree. And sometimes I felt like I was voting for the lesser of two evils. Um, it wasn't until moving to Oregon that uh, my husband and I were like, look, this, this, we have to pick a party because you can just vote in whatever primaries up there you want. You don't have to pick a party ahead of time. Um, so we decided to pick the Libertarian Party and we were doing a lot more research. I were like, wow, this actually does seem like a good place for us um, views wise, even though the views stretch so much on what you believe and don't believe, like I'm somewhere around an agnostic atheist at times, but I was raised in in the Swedish covenant church Mm. and I was raised Southern Baptist as well. So I've got a little dabbling on both sides there. There's one thing that my grandmother used to say that I always felt was weird until more recently. She used to say, when you're young, you're a Democrat. As you get older, you become more conservative. And I think part of that might be because you understand your rights more mm-hmm. and you understand what what it would mean if those rights were taken away from you. Yeah. 
and when you're young you don't feel like anything's going to happen <laughs> there's truth you know you're invincible and when you're young i remember being invincible yeah i remember being a teenager and thinking if i jumped out of the window i'd be fine you know yeah, or something well, I, <laughs> second story windows were not strange to us anyway well, that's that's a misspent use well in two <laughs> weeks we'll come back with the second amendment um and also i'd like to invite we'll have email um contact information down in the description this will be appearing on Rumble and uh, YouTube, and we'll look at having an audio podcast coming to you as well. Um, so I'd like to thank the audience for joining us this week. Yes, thank uh, you all. The discussion was um, stimulating, at least. And Thought-provoking. If you participate, you can shoot us an email and, and give us some, conf- some information that you want us to cover um, in the future, whether it's about the Second Amendment. We're going to try to go through more or less all of the amendments um just to kick off our podcast but at some point we would like to you know make sure we bring the audience in and, and participate so we can all talk yeah that would be great we'd love okay, to hear thank you. you for joining me this week and uh the, we will see you in two weeks which will uh be the first wednesday in july which i think is the fifth i want to say the fifth of july